praise God. We thank and praise God that he is the beautiful one. He is the one that brings us hope and life this morning. Why don't you take your seats? It is so good to see so many of you here this morning. It definitely feels like new start, new year, and new life this morning. I can feel it. Can you feel it too? It's God's presence that is here. It's already with us. It's already in our homes because we are carriers of God's presence. And did you know this morning, if you know Jesus and you have asked him into your life, you carry the presence of the Holy Spirit because his spirit comes to dwell within us. So when we all come together, carrying the presence of God, and when we come together to worship him, wow, anything can happen. And I'm really believing that for this morning as well. So we are in the middle of a series looking again at our core vision, our mission statement of Revive Church to revive hearts, restore hope, and rebuild lives. Last week, Gareth um, outlined the start of our series and looked at vision and looking particularly at revive hearts. You know, vision is the ability to see clearly. Those of you that have got a pair of specs on this morning know that vision is the ability to see clearly. And some of you probably need a little bit of help with you having your specs on this morning so you can see clearly, but that's okay. It says in Proverbs 29, Verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. That's the New King James Version. In the NIV, it puts it like this. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. If you're still trying to work out what some of these words mean, the message translation, which is just a modern-day translation, putting it in a way that people can understand it, says this. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. My prayer for you this morning is that God reveals himself to you. Not just to the person next to you, not just to the people that brought you to the church, but to you this morning. My prayer this morning is that as we look at restored hope, we celebrate together at what God is doing. It's so easy, isn't it? Sometimes in our own circumstances, in our own perspective, in our own thoughts to forget the good things that God has done. But we have sung about them this morning. You know, Gareth has already shared some of the great things that God is doing. As we look at Lila and Lyndon getting baptized next week, God is in the business of restoring hope in people's hearts and lives. And we need to get excited. We need to see what God is doing so we don't stumble all over ourselves. And that we attend to what God is doing and allow him to reveal himself to us. And when we do that, we are most blessed. Put your hands up if you want to be most blessed this morning. Amen. So as we look at Revive Hearts, Restore Hope and Rebuild Lives, we know that Revive Hearts, as Gareth shared last week, is all about receiving salvation, having our hearts revived, and the new life that comes from having a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
in that moment, what was dead comes to life. Our life completely changes because of Jesus' death on the cross and a victory over sin and his new life that we experience because he was raised to life again. You know, this morning, as our hearts are revived, our hope is then restored. As we deal with our sin, as we deal with our shame, as we deal with our habits and hang-ups of the past, we find freedom through Jesus Christ. It's not freedom to do what we like. It's not freedom to carry on sinning. It's not freedom to live the way we've always lived. It's freedom to live in the life and the hope and the new life that we have through Jesus Christ. And we find that in the truth, the word of God. Because he came to give us life and life in all its abundance. And as we walk in obedience, as we turn from the past and we walk in the way that he has called us to walk, we find freedom in Jesus Christ. We trust in Jesus who is the author and perfecter of our faith and our hope is restored. We want to see lives rebuilt in this church. You know, we want to be people who discover and find our purpose, knowing that God has a perfect plan for our lives, that we rebuild our lives according to his will for us, not our own will, not our own plans, not our own way of doing things, but his will and his plan for our lives. And why? Why does God want to revive our hearts, restore our hope, and rebuild our lives? Because each and every person here, if you know Jesus, if you have chosen to follow him, he wants you to go out and make a difference and start it all over again so that you talk to your friend about Jesus. You see their hearts revived, their hope restored, their lives rebuilt. You know, I love when I spoke to someone earlier this week, they said to me, what if my friend their purpose in life was to meet me and to share Jesus with me. What if that was what they were put on this planet for? You know, their life has turned around. Their story is incredible because somebody else shared Jesus with them. Yes, come on, let's celebrate. Let's not be quiet this morning. You know, another way of putting it is that we as a church, not just me and Gareth as your leaders, but as a church, we want to see lost people saved. Amen? We want to see saved people pastored, looked after, cared for, feel part of the family. We want to see pastored people discipled. That's why we do things like DNA. That's why we run a prayer course. That's why we have Bible studies. That's why we have prayer meetings of coming together saying we're going to disciple one another. That's why we have house creeps. And when pastored people are discipled, then discipled people are sent out to make a difference into their world, to shine Jesus into their workplaces, their homes, and communities. If you turn to the book of Ezra, Ezra is an incredible uh, leader in the time when the Babylonians were coming out sorry, not the Babylonians, the Israelites were coming out of captivity from the Babylonians. They've spent 70 years in captivity in Babylon, and they're returning home to start again. And in Ezra 9, as the people gather together, 
Ezra says this to them. We have been given a brief moment of grace for the Lord our God has given us security in this holy place. Our God has brightened our eyes and granted us some relief from our slavery. For we were slaves, but in his unfailing love, our God did not abandon us in our slavery. You know, in modern speak, we've all been slaves to sin in our lives. But God never abandoned us. During the times we've messed up, during the times we've made mistakes, during things that we've done wrong, God's always been there. Instead, he caused the king of Persia to treat us favorably. He revived us, that's God, he revived us so that we could rebuild the temple of our God and repair its ruins. Another word for repair is restore. And even before Gareth and I arrived at Newbridge, God dropped this passage and the whole theme around Nehemiah and Ezra into our hearts and said, it's time to see hearts revived, hope restored, and lives rebuilt. Last week, Gareth shared part one of Revive Hearts, and today we're going to look at hope restored. For a moment, lighten it up for a moment, because on the next slide, I don't know about you, but I love a good DIY program. Anyone else love a good DIY program? You know, we are a little bit obsessed sometimes with these restoration programs. You have got changing rooms. You've got grand designs. George Clark's Amazing Spaces, one of my favorites. You've got, you know, Extreme Makeover, the home edition. If you're a daytime TV watcher, Homes Under the Hammer, you only have to turn the TV on at, like, midday, and there'll be something on about renovation. But can I say for a moment, with every restoration project... There is a lot of work to do. And what I want to do this morning is as we look at restored hope, just as that verse said at the very beginning, if you can't see what God is doing, you stumble over yourselves. Part of what I want to do this morning is to help you to see what God is doing in restoring hope in this church, restoring hope in the lives of the people that you're sitting next to, restoring hope in the lives of people that you've had a cup of tea with already this morning. And we're going to celebrate a little bit today. Is that okay? Now, just a minute, because celebration requires a little bit of response, okay? Some of you are like, oh, not sure I came to have a celebration. Um, we're going to celebrate, and we're going to celebrate the good things that God has done and what he is going to do, because he is in the business of restoring hope. You know, with every restoration project, there is a lot to be done. In the natural, we've been doing lots of restoration in the building here. Over the past three and a half years, gradually restoring our building and our space. You know, I love my church days exist because there's been rubbish to, re to remove, clearing, sorting, restoring, repairing, and getting the building physically better into a better place. Windows of doors are being replaced to line up with fire safety regulations. The open doors that we now have to our building mean people can actually see when you come into church, they can see, oh, there's people coming into the building, and what a welcoming space that now is. There's been redecorating, there's been repurposing. You know, there's been so much rubbish thrown out um, that now even the space outside, alongside the building, is now clear, and there's now a great space down there. Thank you very much to you, uh, James, who's worked very hard down there doing that. Um, but the team that came in, I mean, we were throwing away probably stuff that maybe had even been there for 40, 50 years. I mean, you, Matthew, but, you know, the people that came to that I Love My Church Day, in the natural, yes, they're clearing. 
restoring, repairing, getting rid of. But why? Because we're creating space. Not just natural space, but spiritual space. You know, one of the first projects that we did, I'm glad they're both in the room. I'm going to embarrass them now. But one of the first physical renovation projects that we did was our downstairs crash space. If you remember, if you'd ever been down there, there was Noah's Ark with some animals' eyes that were missing, and it just really needed freshening up. Okay, so at the time, we had a little bit of hope during COVID where we could finally come back in the building and do a few things for the summer. And I said to Will and Mary, you know, are you up for helping us with this project? We just want to freshen it up, create a space for toddlers and children to come in and enjoy. And you know... They didn't even bat an eyelid. They said, yes, we'd be up for helping. We'd be up for designing and looking at it and redecorating it. And Mary's got an incredible gift in decoration, in just seeing a vision and running with it. And I know with Will's help and other people that came and did painting, that room is an incredible space. That's the natural side of it. But do you know something? When they started that project, Eddie was the only under five in church at the time. You see, when you catch hold of vision, not just because it's their son, but they caught hold of a vision that said, we want to see this room full of babies and toddlers and children that are coming to church on Sunday. I don't have to tell you what's happened in the past six months. But you know, what began as a quite a natural restoration project now steps forward into a place that we can thank and praise God. But downstairs right now, Sorry, okay. it's full. <laughs> and they're probably all falling over each other, to be honest, down there. And, you know, scobbling over a car or two, whatever they do. <laughs> but God has blessed this church with new life. He has blessed this church with babies being born. You know, I think we're up to number six now of babies that have been born in the past two years. And God is doing something new. God is doing something new. You know, every week at Toddlers at the moment, we're getting between 30 and f- 35 to 40 toddlers. On Tuesday, just gone, 41. Just, I'm just talking about the children. Add the parents on top of that, some of whom bring two parents. We had over 100 downstairs, and that is happening week by week by week. There is nothing in the natural that makes that possible because of the prayers, the faithful prayers of people in this church. During COVID, when everything was shut down, when we couldn't meet together, when toddlers had to shut. You know, I know we did a few crazy things. The ladies helped us with a few little videos, and we had a bit of fun, and we did toddlers every Tuesday online. But we kept the relationships going enough that when we started back, we maybe had 10, then we had 15, then we had 20. We had to do all the spacing and everything else. But something has happened since September, and that place has literally exploded with life. And when I say exploded with life, you only have to look back to the Sunday, I think it was the 11th of December, this room was full. And, you know, faith in my heart said it would be great if 10 families came. We had over 40 children in this place on that Sunday. I have to be honest, when I got up to preach, I was preaching to probably in the realm of something like... 30 under fives that had come to church. I don't know about you, if you would like to do that instead of me next time, that is absolutely fine. 
But do you know the joy in my heart then when Lyndon comes up to me at the end of that Sunday and says, I want to get baptized. <laughs> you know, for me, the joy in my heart that Lyndon had come, he's been coming week by week by week by week, just listening, taking it all in. And three friends um, that they have as well that live near them have just been inputting into their life as well. And God has just been working in your life, hasn't he, Lyndon? And we are celebrating with you and standing with you all the way. God is in the building of business of restoring hope. Can you see it? Can you see it this morning? Can I just say, restoration projects, before and after, they often happen one room at a time. You know, I know that we've had a huge focus on families. That's a massive part of our vision. But can I also say, we are a church of generations. We see you and we hear you. Older ones, we haven't forgotten you. We know it's been a challenging time. We know there's been moments where we might have missed it. And we're sorry for the times when we have. Sometimes in the busyness of everything else that's been going on, there may have been a visit or two, a handshake or two that has gone amiss. But we see you and we hear you. And as a church and as a leadership, we haven't forgotten you. And at the very start of this year, we are addressing how we can put a program in place. We can put a space in place where you can connect, come together and have fellowship together. We're going to be launching that in the spring. So just hold on tight for now. Can I just say we do need you to be grandma and granddad right now? New granddad and grandma over there. Had to get that in there. You know, there is a place for you. And we thank you for your faithful prayers. We thank you for the times when you thought, what is this all about? Or what is this next new song that we're singing this week? Or could we have a bit of quiet sometimes on a Sunday? We hear you. But right now, God is bringing in family after family. It is noisy. I mean, Lily herself this morning just wanted to join in with the band. We understand that. We understand that change is hard sometimes. We also understand it's easy to think, well, I've been forgotten. But we see you and we hear you. We thank God for you. Thank you for those in the church that have chosen to actually meet with us, talk with us, share some things with us. That's really helpful. You know, it doesn't help if you go and share that with five of your friends and we don't actually know what's going on. Come and talk to us. We're going to get things wrong. Restoration projects. How many times in a restoration project does it go perfectly? It never does, does it? You know, there's always something that happens or a leak, leaky pipe or something bursts or, I don't know, you put the... I'm not very good at restoration projects myself, so um, <laughs> the wallpaper upside down. I'm looking at Rob because, uh, you know, he's great at all this painting malarkey. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's not always going to be perfect. But thank you to those that have come and said, drawn uh, alongside us and said, you know, I'm struggling with this a bit, but I've thought about this. And maybe could you think about this? Or I've had this idea. Or here's a solution to the problem. Or could I help? Like this week, I sat with a mum who just needed some help. And I knew I couldn't help her, to be honest. I've got enough going on right now with a, a little baby myself. But this mum said I need help. Within three days, somebody in the church said, I can help. 
I've got a little bit of time in an evening when I can go and sit and be and support. Wow. You know, that person, they're not in their 30s. They're not in their 40s. They're not in their 50s. I'm going to be careful now, but they're somewhere <laughs> in their 70s or 80s. I'm not quite sure, but I'm really thankful for that person because they saw a need and they said, you know what, I could fill that need. What is it this year that God's calling you to do? However young you are, however old you are, there is a place for you in this church. There's a place for you because we all need help in restoration projects. I don't know any times on those shows I've ever seen someone doing it completely on their own. They pull in help from different areas, people that have got different expertise, different skills, different experience. And that's what we need to do as a church. Joyce Meyer says this, we live forward but we understand it backwards. You know, you may not understand something that is going on in your life right now. There may be restoration that's going on in your heart, in your life. There may be situations and circumstances, and they look a bit like that before photo where everything just seems a bit of a mess. But sometimes we have to have the vision to say, I may not understand this right now, what's going on in my life, for some of you, what's even going on in the church. But in years ahead, you're going to be able to point back and say, God, I can see why that had to happen right now. Look at what the Lord has done. You know, when you look at that crash room, look at what the Lord has done. That's happened in a short space of time. Look at what the Lord has done. We've got so much to celebrate and thank God for. And I'm just going to read the next bit. Apologize, I'm just reading it. But there's a lot to get through this morning. God has restored our hope, and as we celebrated many things over the past three and a half years, these are just some of many highlights. Sixteen people have come into membership, new membership, in the past three years into this church. Twenty people have completed the two Alpha courses we have done, the first one online, the second one in person, and all of those people are still involved in the life of the church, and some of them have found salvation for the first time. Can we praise God for that? <laughs> Most of the people that have come have not come because Gareth and I stood at the front and said, we have an Alpha course. They came as a direct result of people inviting their friends and family members to come along to Alpha. I'm going to pause for a moment and say, who are you bringing to Jesus? Who are you bringing to Jesus? It might be that one neighbor. It might be that friend that you meet. It might be that person that you have conversations with regularly on the phone. Who are you bringing to Jesus? You know, over COVID, instead of depleting, we grew. New families have joined the church. At the moment, six new babies have been born. I'm sure there's more on the way as well. Through prayer meetings, visits, small groups, one-to-one -one time with both saved and unsaved people, we have seen incredible opportunities to speak life and hope into people's lives. Some of those restorations and restored hope moments have been, as we've dropped bags of clothes, nappies and wipes off, to a mum who's in need. To be able to stand at the doorstep and pray with mums who need help. Some of those mums we never might see walking through the door on a Sunday, but through regular contact now, conversations are opening up. 
praying with those that are going through cancer treatment, coming alongside women with broken stories and taking them on a journey of freedom and grace through studying the story of the prodigal son. Restored Hope looks like the baby and uniform bank team setting up, preparing clothes and equipment for families in need and through conversations and relationships being built, seeing many of those families walk through the door for our Easter trail, walk through the door at Christmas and begin that first contact point here at church. When I look across this room, I can see many people who have found freedom and hope through Jesus Christ. You know, that should be an echoed amen from all of us if we're here today and we have found freedom and hope in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You know, there's many people here who walked away from church, got despondent, gave up on church for different reasons. And some of you came back in the past three years and walked through the door and said, it feels like home. Do you know the greatest thing about having our hope restored through Jesus is that the price of restoration has been paid in full on the cross. You know, restoration projects aren't cheap. They often get very expensive. Do you know the restoration project that God is doing in your life is paid in full because of Jesus Christ? When we come to Christ, our old life, our sin, our shame, it's rendered powerless because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for us. That he was crucified and he, and he said, your sin, it is finished. It is done. You are forgiven because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. And it says this in Romans 5 verse 5, and this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. I started with this, that if you are here today and you have said yes to Jesus, his spirit is within you and he fills your life with his love, his love that is perfect, his love that is unconditional, his love that goes on and on. As Lila and Lyndon next week get baptized, they're saying, as I go into the water, we are dead to our old lives. We are dead to our sin. We are dead to the things in our past. And now as they come up into new life, they're saying, we have new life. We have been set free because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Amen? You know, we are excited this morning about that. You know, it's going to take you back to the day that you got baptized. And if you're looking away right now because you're like, I still haven't been baptized, come and see us. It's still time to get baptized next Sunday. As we look at this today, you know, one area of church life, as we look at restored hope, is that we can't do this alone. We have to do it in community. We're not called to be lonely and to work our faith out on our own. We're called to do it in community. And can I just encourage you to come along to House Group Unite this Tuesday at 7.30. House Groups exist because we believe that life change happens in the context of relationships. House Groups have one purpose, to bring people together. God created us to live in community with others. It's not only so that we can experience the life that he intended, but we can share that life with each other. It's a place to connect with others. We're not made to do it alone. God created us for community. 
and provide us, us with a space to share life and grow in faith together. House groups are a place to protect each other. When we do life, our problems become smaller as we see God becomes bigger. That happens when someone comes alongside you with an encouraging verse to remind you of his promises when you're facing a difficult situation. When you sit in your house group and you say, I've got this going on this week and I really don't know how to push through it. And everyone comes alongside you and begins to pray with you. You know, we're about to do a course with our house groups called Unanswered Prayer. Massive. I think everybody in this room has probably got somewhere along the way an unanswered prayer. Something that they're battling with and struggling with. And we want to take you as house groups through that because you are not meant to face these things on your own. We are meant and built to do life together. It's a place to grow together. We believe that every single person has God-given potential to make a difference in the world. And house groups are a place where you can grow, you can learn together, you can share together. You know, within our pastoral care structure in our church, when you have a need, there are some needs that can be met within your group. There are some things that happen, the big stuff, you know, when someone dies or you're, you're a family member that you know is, has passed away, when there are relationship issues, when there are things that are going on in life where you know you need additional support, that's when Gareth and I will step in. That's when the leadership team will step in to come alongside and support you. But, you know, there are many, many needs in our church. And there are many, many things that God needs us to roll our sleeves up and do. And we all have a part to play in that. Can I say thank you to those of you that visit regularly? I'm not going to call you out because you know who you are. Thank you to those who choose to sit and sit alongside those who might need a bit more time might need a bit more encouragement, might need someone that can draw alongside week by week. We have designated specific time now for visiting into the church diary. So Gareth and I may be knocking on your door at some point in the next few months. We can't get around everybody. I don't know if you realise this, but we're still working on it. But at the moment, there are 135 plus people who come and call this home. That is a lot of people where you would be spending day and night, 24 hours a day and night, just going around and visiting you. If anyone wants a three o'clock visit, then um, in the morning, maybe if you've got a baby, I can do that. But we need each other. We need to be supporting and helping and caring for each other. And there are times when I know that we've missed it in the past, but we want to get it right for the future. So work with us, support us and help each other. I'm coming into land now, and I just want to go back to Ezra. You see, when we talk about restoration, there are times when you start a restoration project, and you're thinking, what is this? What have I got myself into? In Ezra chapter 3, the people come together after returning from Babylon They've been in captivity. They come back to the foundations of the new temple. And I'm going to read to you what it says in Ezra chapter 3, verses 10 to 13. It says this. When the builders completed the foundations of the Lord's temple, the priests put on their robes and took their place in blowing their trumpets. And the Levites, the descendants of Asaph, clasped 
they clashed their cymbals and praised the Lord just as King David had prescribed. With praise and thanks, they sang this song to the Lord. He is so good. His faithful love for Israel endures forever. Then all the people gave a great shout, praising the Lord because the foundation of the Lord's temple had been laid. Amen. Hallelujah. We could stop there and that would be a great place to stop. But many of the older priests, Levites and other leaders who had seen the first temple wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundations. The others, however, were shouting for joy. The joyful shouting and weeping mingled together in a loud noise that could be heard far off in the distance. You see, in that moment, there were two things going on. There is an incredible moment of praise and thanks to God as the new foundations were laid. But then there's also this mix of emotions. You've got the older people who have lived through moments they can remember in the, new temp- in the old temple that were incredible. Times when they really felt the presence of God, where they saw amazing things happen. And the memories of that. The longing for those days. They're sitting there in the rubble, surrounded by rubble, and all they can see is this foundation, and they're like, still thinking back to what's gone on in the past. Some of these older people might be standing there and thinking, oh God, why did we sin? Why did we mess up? If we were still in the old temple, if still the old temple had been there for these past 70 years, if we hadn't been taken into captivity where would we be now and they're weeping at the loss they're grieving about what was but then also at the same time there's a new generation rising up and they're looking at these new foundations and they've got vision they've got hope they're out of captivity and they can see what God is doing they've caught vision and they're about to shout and be joyful because although it's just foundations And they know there's going to be hard work ahead. They know they're going to have to roll up their sleeves. They're like, yes. But equally, the older people are looking on. The ones that would have experienced the old temple, and they're saying, God, the foundations, the footprint is smaller. Is this it? And what about the Ark of the Covenant? That's not here anymore. And then this is what happens. Lots of prophets were around about time, and there's one called Haggai. And he goes to the people and he says, who is left among you that saw this house in its former glory? Who can look back in nostalgia and look at this and say, this is nothing in your eyes? Yet now, be strong, all you people. For I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. My spirit remains in your midst. God's spirit never left this place. You know, some of you have got memories and moments of the past that are so precious to you, and we honor that. We thank God for that. We've got a time of celebration in November from the 10th till the 12th of November when we are going to be celebrating 100 years of this church. Wow, 100 years of God doing incredible things in your lives, incredible things in families, incredible things in this community. But can I say, we honor the past, 
We thank God for the past. But there's also a new day and a new season that he's building in his church right now. And we recognize that some of you are shouting for joy, but some of you are also like a bit like sad because you're like, things have changed and it's not like it was. And I've got this memory and I've got this thing going on in me right now. And I just have to say, as we end this preach this morning, God sees you. God hears you. God knows you in your weeping and in your rejoicing. Some of you, your personal circumstances have meant that you're carrying this tension of sorrow and joy. Sorrow because of your physical condition that means you can't participate in the way that you want to. And you can see the future. You can see what's happening next, but you're like, ah. Others of you have got caught up in mindsets and thought patterns where you're stuck in this place of like, oh. And you can see the rejoicing. You can see the excitement. You can see the vision. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I get it. But over here, you're like, well, I've been there. I've done that. I've got the T-shirt. Can I say, if you've been there, you've done that, and you've got the T-shirt, we need your help. Because we need to know how to wear our T-shirts. We need to know how to share our faith. We need to know how to disciple others. We need to know the things that you experienced in the past that mean you have been there, done that, and got the T-shirt. We need your help. Some of you have been there, done that, and got the T-shirt, and you're not proud of it. And the sorrow that you're carrying, like some of those Israelites did, they were like, oh, we sinned, we messed up. And now we're standing here in the rubble of our mess that we caused, and, and we had to go into captivity, and now we're back here, and like, oh, the shame. Can I tell you something this morning that God is rolling away the shame of your past and he's saying I want to step forward into the new future that I have for you and you know the t-shirt that you wore because of things that happened in your life in the past God works everything together for his good and some of those experiences that you've worn he's saying now I need you to go and stand with this person over here who is also wearing that t-shirt of pain wearing that t-shirt of addiction Wearing that t-shirt of loss. Wearing that t-shirt of disappointment. And I need you to walk and hold their hand and journey them through. It's happening right now in this church. There are people that are choosing to say, I used to live that way, but God has transformed me into new life. And I'm going to walk with you on your journey and see you find freedom and have your hope restored. There's two things going on. The weeping and the rejoicing. I'm going to ask the band to come up. And we are going to respond to this message together this morning. And I know some of this is sitting heavy on some of you now. Because there's something in you that's like, yeah, you've just hit the nail on the head. And now I feel really uncomfortable. Can I say to you, God sees you. He knows you. And he is in the weeping and he is in the rejoicing. 
some of you need to go home and do something very practical. You need to get a piece of paper when you get home on your own. It's a private thing between you and God. And on one side, you need to write the things that you're weeping about. They might be things in your life. They might be circumstances. They could even be things in the church where you're like, I'm weeping over this because this is how things were. This is how I'm feeling. Write it all down on one side. On the other side, write joy. And start to thank God for what he's doing right now in your life. Start to thank God for what he's doing in the life of the church. Some of you need to think about your emotions and attach your emotions to those things because sometimes our responses, our reactions, the way we talk to people are as a result of our feelings or emotions that are attached to our sorrow, our pain, and our joy. If those emotions stay suppressed, they come out as anger, they come out as bitterness, they come out as resentment. Don't get to that point. But in doing that activity, it doesn't stop there, because the most important thing of all, as you do that, you bring it to Jesus. And you say, Jesus, I'm sorrowful about these things. I'm weeping over these things. But Jesus, there is also so much joy in what you are doing in my life. There's so much joy in what you are doing in the life of my church. And then what Jesus wants you to do is to take it and just to lay it down at his feet, lay it down at the altar and give it to him. We're going to do something right now. We're going to have a moment to reflect. I'm not going to ask you to write a list right now, but some of you know what God's putting, dropped into your heart. There's things that already you are imagining in yourself writing down on that list. Just close your eyes for a moment. Father God, all over this place, may your presence rest right now upon each and every person here. Father God, you know those that are weeping. You know those that are rejoicing. You know the mix of emotions that's going on for people right now. Father God, we thank you today that you are in the business of restoring hope in people's lives. Holy Spirit, you are here. He will return your morning into dancing again. He is the lifter of your head. And as a church, we have so much to thank God for. We honor the past. We honor the memories. We honor all the good things that God has done. We praise him that we're still standing 100 years later, stronger than ever, pushing forward in faith and vision. But in that tension of looking back and looking ahead, there are some here this morning, and we're going to stand together in a moment and sing a song. And out of your response to God, and you know if you are just sensing you need to do this this morning, I just want you to bring... 
whatever it is that you are carrying and the weeping and the rejoicing and lay it at Jesus' feet. Bring it to the altar. Bring it to the front. And literally, as if you're just putting it down at Jesus' feet, some of you might want to kneel. Some of you might just want to place it down and go back to your seat again. But do not carry those things into 2023 because it will be a hindrance to you moving forward. It's easy to put a wall up right now. Some of you have got this imaginary wall that's just gone, I'm not going to the front. Let that wall come crashing down because God is going to do it again in this church. He's already begun the good work. It's his church. It's not my church. It's not Gareth's church. It's not your church. It's his church and his kingdom that he is building. Let's stand together. And as we sing, when you feel ready, just come and bring it to the feet of Jesus.